As Benita shared this afternoon at 3 o'clock, we have the blessing of the pets. And we're going to be blessing cats and dogs and whatever else pets may venture this way. So that got me thinking about blessing, simple blessings. It doesn't have to stop there. This passage that, again, Ray read, reminds us that blessing is our birthright. It is our spiritual birthright. I'll read these words again. Bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing that comes from heaven. God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless in God's presence before the creation of the world. God destined us to be adopted children through Jesus, through Jesus Christ because of his love. Now, Paul gives us rather poetic language. So I've been trying to think all week of a word that I could use that communicates the same thing, but maybe in a different way. Because when we hear a person being blessed, we may think of something like, when you sneeze, bless you. Or when we think a person is blessed, we say they're very successful or they have a lot of, they've done well. When I think of being blessed, I think of the word affirm. To live under this simple blessing of God is to affirm and assert the reality that you and I are loved, deeply loved. And if I could put it this way, this is really our destiny, if you will, to live in this awareness of the deep love of God, and not only to affirm that in ourselves, but to affirm that in others. Now, I don't want to just go right by that too quickly, because I think it needs to be heard, because if I'm convinced of anything, and there's a lot of things I'm not convinced of, but one thing I am convinced of, is that one of the greatest detriments to our human journey, to our spiritual journey, is self-rejection. That we will reject ourselves quicker than others will reject us. That if we question anything, and we question a lot, but if we question one thing, we often question how deeply loved we are by God. And what this passage tells us, it is our birthright, if you will. It is our destiny. It's this affirmation that we are deeply loved beyond anything we could ever imagine. It begins with us affirming God's love for us. In our human condition as it is, we don't have to be anything other than we are. We don't even have to reciprocate the love. God created us in love and has destined us for love. Henry Nouwen, who is a late uh, Catholic priest, would often talk about, as I said, self-rejection being the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because he says it contradicts that voice that calls us the beloved. Now, again... These are words that we don't often use. I don't know how often you use the word beloved. It's a beautiful word. But the word beloved is one or describes one who is cherished, one who is treasured, one who is prized, one who is much loved. And again, how often do we think of ourselves in that way? That you are cherished, that you are prized, that you are treasured. More than likely, I suspect it's some tapes in our head or old scripts of self-rejection of previous experiences that have sort of created this deficit of affirmation in our life that keeps us from seeing ourselves as those who are cherished and prized 
and as one God delights in. Now, for years, I struggled with this perception of myself. I know those tapes, this perception that I wasn't any good. And I based that perception simply on one experience that happened to me when I was about seven or eight years old. I won't go into the big story of it all, but there was just one kid my age that I went to go play with a group of kids, and he looked at me, and he just simply said, well, you're no good. Now, I don't know why that stuck in my soul. I don't know why it stayed there for years, but it did. And it affected me enough that I simply incorporated other experiences of rejection and failure as reinforcement of that false truth. So consequently, a good portion of my adult years were about proving that statement wrong. I was literally trying to rewrite this script of self-rejection and the message, you're no good. And I tried to do it through efforts of achievement, through efforts of success, through efforts of notoriety and recognition. I was like this huge black hole in which I just needed more and more to somehow finally validate my existence. Now, I can't tell you when it all changed, but it did. And I think it was when I finally got tired and exhausted of trying to earn acceptance and validate my existence. And I simply began to live in this deep affirmation of God's blessing and love in my life, understood first and foremost through God's deep love for me. Now, to be sure, I had people in my life that helped me, that have loved me unconditionally and have shown that to me. I began to read authors that affirmed God's deep love for me in my human condition, but I began to open myself to God's love in a way that I never had before. And I began to even consider the fact that, you know, God really delights in me. God really treasures me. A word that I never used before, God actually cherishes who I am. I'm not all the way there. In my really, really not-so-good days, I go crawling down into that black hole, and I keep trying to find ways to justify my existence. But in my really, really good days, I just live and revel in that experience and awareness that I live in the freedom of God's love, of who I am and my human condition. Henry Nouwen, who I mentioned, writes this. He says, The blessings that we give to each other are really expressions of the blessing that rests on us from all of eternity. It is the deepest affirmation of our true self. It's not enough to be chosen. We need an ongoing blessing that allows us to hear in an ever-new way that we belong to a loving God who will never leave us alone, but will remind us always that we're guided by love on every step of our lives. Now, one of the ways this reminding happens and reminding others of their blessing is through blessing others. If our destiny, if you will, to be blessed by God and loved by God is true, then God has also called us to bless and affirm others as well. It's hard to live without affirmation. And to give someone a blessing is the most significant affirmation we can offer. It's more than a word of praise, of appreciation. It's more than pointing out their good deeds. It's more than putting someone in the light. To give a blessing is to affirm to someone a big, huge yes, that you matter, that you count, and that your existence is so important and is so valuable. By the way, that's why... One of, the, 
one of the hardest things we can do to people if we're really upset at them, if we're really angry at them, is to act as if they don't exist, is to simply withhold, is to ignore, is to not even pay attention. It's one of the hardest things that can happen, and it's one of the most cruel ways that we can affect people. What a powerful opportunity it is when we're given the opportunity to bless and affirm others. It may be more than words of appreciation, but that certainly is a great place to start. And so many of us do so much, so many of you do so much, but we often don't hear those words of appreciation. We think, well, they know we appreciate them, but it's powerful when we say it or we write it in a card or a letter. So this week, I want to invite you to commit to affirm or appreciate someone in your life. Speak it. Write it. However you choose, but just do it. And it's so important because what it does is it balances out or it counters all those voices of criticism, those voices of blaming, a lot of voices of incivility we probably hear today more than we've ever heard before. Maybe voices of where people just feel like they don't matter anymore. So make this a blessing week. Make it a week in which you truly seek to affirm and appreciate and value people in your life. Now, it could be done a few ways. Let me offer a few. First, simply offer someone words of affirmation or appreciation. Speak good words directly to them. Speak well of them in front of them. In fact, make it someone you have a difficult time of seeing the good in them. Now, that's a challenge. Pick out a person in your life that you really have a difficult time finding any good in them. I'll give you a few minutes. You got it? I know you do. Because immediately someone came to mind. It's a lot easier to find that person. Locate that person in your life. And then figure out a way to affirm them and bless them and speak good words to them. Maybe you don't like their personality, you find them kind of a tad irritating or annoying, but maybe they come across a little arrogant, but it could be this. The reason they're this way is because they have never heard a good word spoken to them. So they hide behind a wall of arrogance and superiority. So if you're willing to transcend all that and begin to speak good words to them, you may actually create a shift in their soul in which they see themselves differently. And if they see themselves differently, they good chance they may see others and life differently. The second thing I would encourage you to do is make it a practice to speak well of someone and speak good words about them when they're not around. Now, that's a huge one. You know how this works. We get caught up in a conversation where where we're with people and we talk about folks the way folks are. We probably wouldn't say it if they were standing right in front of us, but because they're not standing right in front of us, we do what? We say what we feel and what we think, or we get caught up in the whole flow of things. But rather than participating in that, make it a practice to say good words about them, to point out their good qualities, to speak well of them when they're not around. Now, this not only helps your soul, and I guarantee it will, because it's good self-control. And when you practice self-control in one area, you'll begin to see it happen in other areas. But the other thing it will do, it will make you a more trustworthy person. Because the person listening will say, well, you know what? If they speak that way about that person when they're not around, that's probably how they speak about me when I'm not around. 
So you will become a more trustworthy person. People will begin to see that you're willing to defend someone even when they're not around. Now here's the biggest challenge. Start with those closest to you. Because often we take them for granted. Or we just assume they know how we feel. Spouses neglect extending words of appreciation to each other. Now, I know it may sound kind of simplistic. I know it may sound kind of small, but I'll say this. I feel pretty good when Linda says to me, I really appreciate you taking the trash out today. Now, she's not saying that to get me to take the trash out. I've already taken the trash out. But when she says simple things like, I really appreciate the fact that you took the trash out. You know what? That matters. It makes a difference. Parents avoid saying it to their kids. Older kids neglect saying it to their elderly parents. And yes, kids avoid saying it to their parents as well. But often those closest to us are the hungriest for a good word, a word that speaks life and energy into them. So start with those closest to you. Who could use a good word? Who could use a word of affirmation, a word of appreciation? Maybe it's a matter of offering a prayer to say, I've had these walls up for so long, these walls of anger, these walls of frustration, these walls of defensiveness. I've had these walls up of I'm not going to say anything until he or she says something first. Well, that's a standoff that could last a long time. Maybe you're the one to break that. Maybe you're the one to start the process. Because once it starts, it builds on itself. Appreciation begets appreciation. Affirmation begets affirmation. Blessing begets blessing. I can't end this without sharing this story that I've shared before. And maybe some of you haven't heard it before, so that's good. Some of you have, so I think it's worth hearing again. It's shared by Trevor Hudson, who has written a book on the spiritual life, and he writes particularly about how words can affect folks. And I'm just going to share it as he's written it. Recently, I read a Jewish tale that strikingly illustrates how difficult it is to reverse the, powerful, the power of harmful speech. The setting is a small eastern European town where a local inhabitant continually slandered the rabbi. So one day... Realizing the wrongfulness of his behavior, he asked the rabbi for forgiveness and offered to perform any penance required to make amends. Well, the rabbi told him to get a feather pillow from his house, cut it open, scatter the feathers to the wind, and then return. Well, the man followed the rabbi's instructions to the letter. Then he came back and he said, am I now forgiven? Well, you just have to do one more thing, answered the rabbi. I need for you now to go and gather all those feathers back. Well, that's impossible, the man protested. The wind has already scattered them. Exactly, explained the rabbi. And although you truly wish to correct the evil you have spoken, it is impossible to repair the damage done by your words as it is to recover the feathers. And then Trevor Hudson goes on to say this. Like the feathers scattered to the wind, we cannot regather the harmful words we speak. Once they go forth, they echo repeatedly in the lives of those to whom they are spoken and determine how they themselves will think and speak. 
Here's the deal. You may have been on the receiving end of some of those harmful words at one time in your life. And if you are, I'm sorry. It's tough. It hurts. Maybe you were told you don't matter. Maybe you were told we didn't want you anyway. Maybe you were told, you know, you really could do better. The fact is, maybe those people in our life aren't around to correct that, but that's why the blessing and affirmation of God's deep love is so important and necessary for us because that's the word that matters most is God's word of love in your life. Maybe you're the one that threw some feathers to the wind and you said some words that were harmful and hurting. We can't get them back. And I'll be honest, I've been on both ends. I've received hard words and I've thrown some feathers to the wind, unfortunately. And I can't get them back. But what I can do is I can say, next time it's going to be different. I'm going to be a better person that uses better words, that is more affirming, is more blessing, is one who chooses my words carefully and one who can be trusted with their words. St. Francis of Assisi, who is really the one that church honors when they bless pets, and bless all of creation, has this to write. You've heard it before, but I think it's good to end with, and we take a few moments and focus on these words. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born again to eternal life.